you have the experience of something, but when you record it, you experience it again, and you also um, kind of own it in a different way. It becomes part of your psyche in a much stronger way, and eventually it becomes part of your identity. Welcome to Exploring Mind and Body with Drew Tadia. Drew is an expert in nutrition, fitness, lifestyle, and more. And he wants to help you live a healthier, longer, and more active life. Now here's your host, Drew Tadia. Welcome to another edition of Nationally Syndicated, Exploring Mind and Body. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for tuning in and being a part of our True Form Life community. We're coming at you with a brand new show. We appreciate whether you're listening on terrestrial radio across the country or as a podcast around the world. We certainly wouldn't be here without you. So stick around. We got all that coming up. This is Exploring Mind and Body. Naturally improve your lifestyle one show at a time with your host, Drew Tadia. All right, welcome to another edition of National Syndicated Exploring Mind and Body. We're excited to have Nita here with us. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. I can't wait for this conversation. No. All right. It's our pleasure. So give us the elevator pitch. Give us a chance to resonate with the audience. Tell us who you are, what you do. So my name is Nita Sweeney. I am the award-winning author of the Running and Mental Health Memoir, Depression Hates a Moving Target how running with my dog brought me back from the brink and co-author of the writing journal, you should be writing. I teach creative writing in central Ohio, but my claim to fame right now is as an accidental mental health advocate, because although I didn't necessarily write the book for that reason, the um, kind of raw story I shared launched me into the public eye as someone who has bipolar disorder, depression, anxiety, panic attacks, all that stuff, and who talks about it publicly. And I have used running as one of the main tools to manage my symptoms. And so that's what I end up talking about on a lot of the you know public places like this that I go. So what is it like for someone like yourself to deal with that on a regular basis? So you said bipolar, anxiety, and depression, that's all group together for you? Right. They're, um, you know, varying symptoms that arise. A lot of times I look, quote, normal, um, you know, just like any other person, but I also struggle. So some days I pop out of bed and think, oh, hey, I've got things to do. This will be great. Other days I open my eyes and think, I just want to roll back over. I don't want to face this, can't do it. So it's a lot of um, internal dialogue that I don't always have control over. I can manage it after the fact. Once I notice it's going on, I have lots of tools to work with that. But those initial thoughts or those initial body sensations that I wake up with or that might arise during the day for what seems like no reason whatsoever. There's not necessarily a situational component. I mean, there have been other times when there was a situational um, trigger, but a lot of times it's just biochemical. It just happens. And I've had to learn um, tools, um, you know, it's a skill set like building muscles, like training for long races. And I have um, been successful in doing that. But yeah, on a day to day basis, it's, it can be kind of random where I'm not always sure what the day is going to look like. So, okay, let me allow me to be devil, devil's advocate here. Yes, please. And what, so, what is the difference? I'd imagine there's two 
two different types of people. What's the difference between someone that's unmotivated, let's say, and from day to day, they don't really feel like getting up. They don't really like their job. They don't want to go to work. And then someone that's clinically depressed or deals with anxiety, even bipolar. Well, I would say that's a spectrum. So I um, sort of kind of the the black and white um, way of thinking about it doesn't really work for me and hasn't Um, hasn't been helpful to most of the people that I talk to about it. The difference for me is if someone's looking at my life from the outside in, they see a woman who lives in a nice suburb, married, good relationship, has work she enjoys, a dog she loves, all those kind of external things. Um, You know, and as a writer, here I am talking to you. Oh, my gosh. Uh, lots of things that could be enviable to other people. So on the outside, things look good. It's the inside that's different. So I, there was a period of time in my life when I had a job that I was really good at and really hated. I was an attorney. I was a partner in a small firm. And um, there were days where it was just a lack of motivation, poor job fit, those kinds of things. Um, But because I'm predisposed to mental health disorders, that eventually took me down a rabbit hole. It's possible if there had been interventions earlier, I might not have wound up in as serious situation as I did. I wound up in the hospital. I was suicidal. I came very, very close to taking my life. Now, I'm not saying someone who's just unmotivated would wind up there. That's not always the case. That's the, that's always the tricky part. Is this person, you know, does this person just need a kick in the butt or are they, will that kick in the butt send them further down the rabbit hole? And I think that's the place where a really good coach, a good therapist, that's like the fine line uh, we all kind of tread. Even as an author, I'm, you know, I'm not a, a mental health professional, but people contact me on social media all the time and want to talk about how um, things that I've done might help them. I'm always very careful to say, I don't know, (laughs) because I know what worked for me and what didn't work. And I tried a lot of very, you know, self-helpish motivational strategies that were working for many other people around me that were so helpful, more structure, um, you know, more um, cheerleading or uh, hard talk, uh, tough love kind of things. Uh, that just sent me further and further, further into the emotional hole. So if there's a difference, I think that's the that's probably the the biggest thing is how do you respond to uh, hard talk, tough love, um, and how do you respond to cheerleading? Because for some people, cheerleading just makes them soft and it doesn't really help. But other people, that's the only way they can stay alive. So it's I'm I I feel like I might I'm not trying to avoid your question, but I just feel like it's a very uh, slippery question. Specific to each individual. Sure. So tell me what, what is bipolar? What does that mean? Or what does that, um, how does someone behave, if you will, that, that has been diagnosed with bipolar? Well, I have bipolar two, So it's the um, less intense version. I'm not the kind of person who is going to rack up $100,000 in credit card expenses on, you know, a binge one night on Amazon or something like that. I'm more likely to rack up $10,000, you know, things like that. But it's a matter of degree. And 
my episodes tend to cycle. They call it rapid cycling because my episodes tend to cycle. So in a particular day, my mood will swing up and down pretty dramatically, but within a short period of time, and then it will pass. Whereas someone who has bipolar one, their mood will stay manic, high energy, very impulsive, potentially dangerous to themselves for a long period of time, much longer duration. So for me, it's, it's, it's just moods and impulsive actions that change very quickly. So that's kind of the upside of it. How it actually manifests most of the time is in depression. And I wasn't actually diagnosed as bipolar until I think it's been about 10 years, maybe 12 years ago now, but I've been seeing therapists and have been on various medications since 1994. It just always manifested as depression and the mania or the hypomania feels really good most of the time. And so why would I think that was a problem? Why would I want that one to go away? But eventually some of the behaviors became problematic. Um, you know, arguments with my husband that made no sense whatsoever, acting out with um, friends, just different things that were a clue that something was amiss. And so I happened to mention some of that to um, my psychiatrist, actually, and she kind of went, wait a minute, let's back up a little bit. And she started asking me some more, more directed questions that she she'd really just missed. I mean, she had, because so much of the time, I would go into her and say, I'm so depressed, I can't get anything done, I can't concentrate, I can't focus, can you help me with that? And so that's all she saw, that's all she heard from me. I didn't know. So, so what were some of the things that helped you, and like I understand that our audience is different individuals, but maybe some of our audience can learn some of what worked for you that could possibly work for them? Absolutely. There are three um, big tools, again, well, let me let me up just, Two things that I do still have is I'm still on one medication, but that's down from six, and I still have a therapist, but I don't see her as often. <laughs> so those two things. So those are the kind of the professional, um, you know, medical kinds of things that I can't tell you about. Go see the pros. You know, I'm a lawyer and a writer and a meditator. Um, but the three things that I can tell you about are. Uh, writing practice, or some people call it journaling, free writing, but writing as a way, not just to create documents or books or things like that, but as a way to process emotions. So that's one thing. The other thing is meditation. I've been meditating for a very long time. And uh, I practice um, insider mindfulness meditation, you can do that sitting, walking, standing, lying down. But it's basically learning to keep your head where your feet are. So I like to say that I need a daily dose of now. I need a, you know, a little drop of now during the day. So I had those two going on for many years. The piece that really changed everything for me was exercise. And for me, that's running. I started by jogging for 60 seconds down in a secluded area where no one could see me because I'm a middle-aged woman who was much larger than I am now at the time. And uh, I just need to break a sweat. And so I, I, I often ask people who contact me, you know, are you breaking a sweat on a regular basis, a couple times a week? Are you lifting weights? Are you doing yoga? Are you walking around the block? Are you, you know, just doing something to get that heart rate up? That was the missing piece for me that shifted so many things. So what was the connect for you? Because I think in most cases, people know that exercise 
helps you reduce stress and it gets the blood flowing and you got endorphins we could talk about endless benefits <laughs> right right but there's but it's really difficult to help people understand or actually to get them to get to exercise consistently right they understand but especially people who are depressed because what my head said was i don't have the energy to get dressed to shower how is you know jogging going to do anything but what happened was I saw a post from a friend of mine, high school friend, about the same age, about the same size as I was then. And I watched her. She didn't know I was watching her, but I watched her for a while. And eventually something clicked. And I thought, okay, she seems better. If she can do this, I can do this. So um, I get this question a lot. And it's sort of like, a medicine you you know you have to take your medicine but you don't want to take it and i can't give it to someone else it's not something you can give to someone else so if you think you're in a place where you know you ought to be doing whatever exercise uh, change your diet um you know any of that kind of stuff i started small 60 seconds 60 seconds because i thought i can do 60 seconds you know we sometimes we um especially uh, people who are impulsive will think they need some huge fix, cure. So they'll join the gym. They'll, uh, not that that's a bad thing. They'll hire a coach. Not that that's a bad thing. Um, but then if they can't keep up or do it all right away, or they don't see immediate results, we get really discouraged. And so that's why I think, you know, taking it in tiny little steps. That's what helped me. You know, she wasn't running marathons. I do now, but she still doesn't. She just jogs around the block and that's enough. That's completely enough. Um, and I will say one thing pandemic related. I know we try to, you know, make things evergreen. Right now in our time, we are dealing with so much trauma, shame, pain, extra layer of ugh that we have never felt in our lives. So if you're struggling with any of this, let whatever tiny thing you do be enough. Don't add that extra layer because that extra layer of shame is you'll just you'll definitely just run the opposite direction. Oh. So, yeah, tiny little bites, um, goals like big, big goal, big, big goal, tiny little steps so small you can't fail. I mean, how can you fail to jog for 60 seconds? So how did you go from 60 seconds to the next level? What was the next little one for you? I, I used an interval training plan and I'm the kind of person who likes um, uh, gold stars and little check marks. And so I printed off the interval training plan. It was a nine week plan. Um, it took me 20 weeks to finish the nine week plan, but I kept at it. I printed it off and taped it on the end of my bookcase where I see it every time I walk into my office. And then every time I would complete the workout, I would make a little check mark. And there were plenty of times, I, I'm going to talk about my book later because I did write a book about this. Um, there were plenty of times when I failed and thought, well, that's it. I give up. But I also surrounded myself with a community of other people who were training. So now we have these online communities so if you can find a plan and there's other people that are doing the plan, reach out to the people who have struggled but gotten back on. So, you know, I would 
I would see the people who were flying through the plan, no problem. I found that completely discouraging. But if there was somebody who said, oh my gosh, I really struggled with this, but I'm doing it again. I'd contact that person and say, how did you do it? So it was that combination of having the structure and then having a community supportive enough to not add a layer of shame, but also to provide a little bit of accountability. And then eventually, um, this is a long story we don't have time for, read the book. Um, My sister convinced me to run a 5K. Um, I was a private runner. I didn't run in public. I never run in front of anybody, right? And uh, But this was for a charity very close to her heart and close to mine. And that changed, that really changed everything. Because then I saw you could be any shape, any size, any age. You could wear not spandex. You could wear cotton. You could actually wear cotton and run. And uh, that's a running joke. Um, <laughs> and, um, and that changed a lot of my perspective about what an athletic person actually looks like and who an athletic person is. Tell, so tell me about the writing aspects and the journaling and try, maybe we could help our, our audience understand the importance of it. Well, let me, let me actually tie that to exercise because now I've been writing a very long time. I studied many years with a woman named Natalie Goldberg who wrote this book, Writing Down the Bones, about writing practice, which is a meditative way to write. But what I did was when I would go on these runs, these, you know, jogs, I would write up my emotions about it. I would write up things I saw, specific details, how I felt, if I had a pain, um, my mood, the changes in mood that I perceived, what I wore, all those kinds of things. And so I created a record. um, And what I know is that you have the experience of something, but when you record it, you experience it again, and you also um, kind of own it in a different way. It becomes part of your psyche in a much stronger way, and eventually it becomes part of your identity. So I have a regular writing practice unrelated to um, exercise, but that's a big part where they kind of came together. And then ultimately, that really helped me write a book because I had this whole record of everything I'd done. (laughs) Helped with the details. And so someone that is looking at maybe following your journey, I always feel that there's a repeatable path to success. What would you recommend that they sit down and start? How do you so you, for example, when you was exercise, you started jogging for 60 seconds. How can you start with writing a journal? 10 minutes timed writings. I actually post a writing topic on five different social media channels every day at noon Eastern time. So if you go to the hashtag 10 minutes go, um, I post a just a different writing topic. So it's set a timer 10 minutes go. Don't cross out. Don't backspace just download your thoughts for 10 minutes try to throw in some sensory detail so you know not tree maple not dog labrador retriever so you get the image so you're capturing in your mind the image of what you're describing just 10 minutes go let yourself write the worst junk in the universe and then later read it back to yourself if you can find someone else to read aloud, that's the best thing is if you can you know, get somebody else to do this with you so that you write, read aloud and no comment. Because what we're trying to do is sidestep that inner critic, that, um, that editor that will come in very handy later if you ever want to publish anything. But when you're processing emotions and you're just downloading information, um, you, 
you need to just set that aside. Thank it very much for the way it will be useful later and ask it to give you, cut you a little slack here while you try this crazy thing this woman you've never heard of suggested. <laughs> I read that for the first time. I read that in the book called The Writer's Way. Yeah, The Artist's Way. The Artist's Way, sorry. Julia Cameron. Yeah, that's, she talks about morning pages. Right. And what's interesting is she, uh, Julia Cameron and Natalie Goldberg both lived in Taos, New Mexico at the same time, I lived in Taos, New Mexico, so I've studied with both of them. And they're, it's a slightly different. Um, Natalie's a Zen practitioner, a Zen priest, actually, and Julia is much more in the recovery community. But they both have, they sort of came to a very similar conclusion from two completely different paths. That the process of writing um, is a way to, you know, work through emotions, record material, has many, many usefulness. It's, it's a way to come in touch with yourself to figure out what you feel, what you think, what you want. So I got to tell you, I've tried this numerous times. I, I, I write myself. I have three books and I write right, right. blog mm -hmm. posts and such. But that morning pages, if you will, or yours is at noon, at least your post. Well, yeah, it's just when my post is right. Okay. And writing practice, right? So I've had a really hard time being consistent with that forever, whatever reason. Do you have any right. suggestions for people like me that I could sit down and write about a topic, but if it's just like write whatever random thoughts come on paper, it's mm -hmm. just really hard for me. Well, I think that's the difference between writing practice and morning pages. Natalie gives you a topic. I give you a topic because many people are stunned by the blank page. So you take the topic and I don't know if you know how in um, meditation, how um, you have an object. So it might be the breath, it might be a mantra, it might be body sensations other than the breath. And so you always bring your mind back because minds generate thoughts, but they tend to wander. So we can get frozen thinking, oh my gosh, I have to do this, you know, I have to do this a certain way, or I, I can't just download, this is crap. It, it's usually the editor, editor, the inner critic that's going on. So what you do is you have the topic as your object. You just bring your mind back, you write the topic again and go. And you have to you have to give yourself the grace to do it badly, for it to go nowhere, for it to have no purpose. But <clears throat> ultimately it will go somewhere. Um, you'll find out, you know, your thoughts, your obsessions, your strengths, your wants, your true wishes, things like that. I've been inspired. I might try again. Maybe yeah, maybe and, my fifth well, that's time. the other thing is <laughs> just because you can't do it every day. So maybe you do it, you know, every third Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And maybe at least start there and then maybe that increases too. And if it does, if it suits you, and if not, you know, maybe what you're doing isn't broken. You don't need that. Hmm. I guess that's, that's a very good point. I guess everyone could use a different modality, if you will, to help. Here. Absolutely. If if I had a motto, I think it would be one size does not fit all. <laughs> I like that. So the only other one that I would specifically ask you about is meditation. However, we are getting close to the end. Is there anything I'm, I'm asking you this before I usually do? Is there anything that you specifically want to mention before we start to wrap things up? No, I just think gentleness. Um, I just said that. You have to do you. You have to find what works for you. You know, some people, meditation is the thing. There's as many different types of meditation as there are, I don't know, you know, 
whatever. There's just a million types of meditation. So finding one, just because you've tried meditation once and, and it didn't work, doesn't mean it doesn't actually work. It just might be a different kind. So that's all I'd throw out there is, um, and it's hard. Meditation is not meant to be easy. It's not meant to zone you out and bliss you out. It can, but it's actually hard work to bring your mind back to the now. Sometimes the now sucks. I mean, it does, but sometimes it's really wonderful too. And then, okay, so for you, just tell us real quick how you got started. And was that, a, and again, another small increment? How did you get into Ugh. meditation? I was dating this guy. <laughs> <laughs> and he had been practicing Zen for quite a few years. And so one day he said, would you like to sit with me? And I was like, sit with you. I'd like to do lots of things with you. <laughs> um, but, um, um, but so what he meant was spice sit was to meditate. And so he sat the microwave timer for five minutes and he said now just sit still and try not to fidget and that's where it started and i married that guy in 28 years ago <laughs> you know we, we've been together that long um but at first i was pretty skeptical mind racing all that kind of thing but i also saw that he had a quality beyond the things you know you date for there was something deeper and i'd heard enough about meditation to know that it was helping a lot of people and so i just sort of stuck in there stuck with him kind of on the outs out, kind of on the edges and um he kept inviting me to stuff i'd go to some and then some night and then finally i went to a weekend retreat just a friday night through sunday noon and a silent retreat which was terrifying to think of not talking and to only have the teacher talking to you for that period of time, it was really scary. And what I was actually scared of was my own thoughts. I didn't know that at the time, but that's what it is, being alone with my head. But it, it really um, kind of made a believer out of me. So I've been meditating for a long time now. And but start small. All of it. Start small. Do you two still meditate together? Yes, yes. It depends on um, our schedules. You know, we're in kind of still lockdown a bit together he and i are both in the age group where we're trying not to get anything not that anybody wants anything but uh but yeah we still do um it just depends on our schedules when it works but yeah and how often are you meditating now i pretty much meditate every day i try to meditate 30 minutes every day sometimes i can't do that sometimes it's five minutes but i always have at least a few moments every day where i slow down enough to just say okay nita is your head where your feet are? You know, what is, where's your, we need your daily dose of now. Where's your, are your head, you know, where's your head? And, um, and then actually feel my body. Yeah, often when I run, that happens naturally. Um, or I'll choose, sometimes, some days I'll choose to, on a run, I'll choose to uh, see all the colors of, all the shades of green I can. And when my mind wanders, I'll think, oh, that's right, I'm supposed to be looking for green. How Things often like are you running now? Um, about four times a week. So and I'm training for a half right now. I'd love to be training for a full, but it's um, my energy's just not there right now. I've got a lot, lot of uh, book promotion things going on, and um, you know it's kind of hard right now. Just life is just kind of hard right now. So that's awesome. Okay, so anything or how can we direct our audience towards your books, to your website, anything if they want to reach you? How can they do that? Yeah, NitaSweeney.com. N-I-T-A-S-W-E-E-N-E-Y.com. I also have an email newsletter. You can sign up there. 
with uh, wellness tips. And I have an ebook called Three Ways to Heal Your Mind, which you can download on my website. I'm on all the social media channels, not all of them, but I'm on, you know, Facebook, Pinterest, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter's probably the one I'm on the most. And then um, um, Instagram, of course, too. And I have two Facebook groups. One's called Mind, Mood, and Movement. And the other's called The Writer's Mind. So hop in my Facebook groups. And uh, all of that's also on my website. But, uh, I, I love to hear from people. I love when people contact me on any of the sites, and especially when they post pictures of them reading the book. <laughs> so that's a, a both either book, but especially the, the one that has really changed people's lives. So. That's awesome. All right, Nita, thank you so much for joining us today on Exploring Mind and Body. Thank you. It's been great. All right, that's going to wrap things up for this edition of Exploring Mind and Body. Once again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for tuning in and being a part of our True Form Life community. You can always find us on facebook.com slash trueformlife. We post up there a couple times a day on our story. We're always trying to bring you more content around living a healthy lifestyle, whether that be nutrition, fitness, lifestyle, and more. We also have free challenges that we do at least once a month. So if you follow us along there, you'll be able to join maybe a plank challenge or a squat challenge, Tabata challenge, whatever it may be we'd love to have you join us we're also on instagram.com slash drew tadia again we're posting up there a couple times a day along with our story all dedicated to keeping you fit and healthy and on track our main website is trueformlife.com if you want to check out some of our products some of our services or if you just want some great content from videos to blog posts and recipes and more we got all that at trueformlife.com once again thank you so much for being here that's it that's all i got i'm out of here as always i'm your host drew tadia in health and fitness for a better world thanks for listening you've been listening to exploring mind and body with true form life's drew tadia fitness expert to find out more about the show drew tadia or to listen to past shows visit exploringmindandbody.com